You know what? How about that? Now I don't know which one it is. All right. All right. It's this one. Here we go. There's a metaphor in there somewhere. Uh, So when we were walking in, uh, Dudley said to Steve, Steve, are you still uh, floating after last weekend? Are you still on cloud nine after John Rutter? And Steve said, I haven't come down all week. And if you were here uh, last Sunday for John Rutter conducting uh, the Sunday morning choir, if you were here in concert, you, uh, you know that none of us have actually uh, come down from that experience. It was such a gift uh, to have John back at Preston Hollow, but you should know this. There were so many people who visited Preston Hollow, folks who got on airplanes to be here last weekend, and there was a sense of belonging and a a sense of the Spirit of God so palpable in this space it did. It felt like we were all sort of hovering above our lives. And I want to thank our entire music staff and our entire music department, our choir, and everyone associated with our music program um, for everything that went into last weekend because, friends, music at its best is an expression of our faith. It's an outpouring of who we know God to be and what a gift last weekend was. Um, Friends, if you are visiting with us this morning, you should know this. Uh, We are in a sermon series this Lenten season entitled God With Us. For uh, Jesus uh, was promised to us in the Hebrew scriptures as Emmanuel, God with us. And oftentimes in our lives, we think that we have to do for God. Like, I just have to do all this stuff to be in right relationship with God. And God in Christ has been a God who's always been a God with us. So our uh, theme this Lenten season is exploring how to be with God. And this morning, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John, to the fifth chapter. And uh, we're going to learn how Jesus is with us even when we're not well when we're infirmed, when we are uh, down, so to speak. And I want uh, you to pay attention, uh, almost at the very end of this reading, Jesus asks someone a question. And I want you to uh, pay attention to the question that Jesus asks, because it's a really important question, not only in the text, but to us as God's people. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. After this, After this is, uh, after Jesus had healed a young man. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for three, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now, that day, that day was a Sabbath day. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth, O God, and the meditations of all of our hearts 
Be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. In April of 2015, I stood in this pulpit and I preached a sermon. It's known as a candidating sermon. It was a sermon where I preached in front of you uh, for the very first time and you uh, received that sermon and then I walked out of the sanctuary and there was a presentation that was made and you all voted uh, to have me as your next senior pastor. That was in April. John Rutter was actually in concert that night and I so wanted to see him last Sunday. I was in uh, Birmingham, Alabama doing a wedding. I so wanted to see him and say, haven't I really grown up, you know, John? (laughs) But I was in Birmingham last Sunday uh, uh, officiating a wedding for a new member couple here, but um, I've been thinking a lot about the last time John was here, uh, that Sunday in April when I preached this sermon, because when we left here, our whole lives were different this community's life, and also the Ruffners. Uh, When we left, um, that list that we had made of all the things that we needed to do became uh, all the more real. Uh, The number one thing at the top of my list of things to do when we got back to Atlanta, before we moved here, it wasn't find a a, a moving company. It wasn't um, uh, how to transfer the utilities. It wasn't let's put our house for sale. No, the number one item on my list was find a school for Olivia. It was the number one on my list because if you've ever had a child and you made a move, um, how you can set your children up for success, you know that's the most important thing. Olivia was at the school uh, at the church I served in Atlanta, Trinity Church. Uh, It was an early childhood education center that was NACI accredited, which is a, a, a national accreditation. And it was also on our campus which meant that um, I could take the elevator down three floors and go see her any time I wanted to. I will not tell you how often I used to go visit her in those early days. It was a lot. So when we were moving here, I I wanted to find an early childhood education center. I wanted to find one that was NACI accredited. And so uh, we got back to Atlanta and I Googled NACI accredited early childhood education centers in Dallas. And I learned there were only a handful of them. In fact, there was only like one in the vicinity of Preston Hollow Church. And I learned it was over at Temple Emmanuel, just right around the corner. And so I thought, Oh, my good friend Peter Berg used to be at Temple Emmanuel. Peter Berg was the senior rabbi at Temple in Atlanta. Uh, Temple in Atlanta was the temple that was bombed during the Civil Rights Movement. That one, dynamite. Peter was the senior rabbi, though it was weird. No one quite knew how to call him senior rabbi because he was in his 40s. To them, he was like the junior rabbi who was the senior rabbi. But uh, before he was in Atlanta, he was an associate rabbi under Rabbi David Stern over at Temple Emmanuel. So I said, Peter, we're going to end up moving to Dallas. Thank you for your prayers. But I'm calling today because um, I need some information about uh, Temple Emmanuel's Early Childhood Education Center. Um, I want to find a place for Olivia and I think the NACI accredited school and uh, that community, I, I need to know if they would be a good fit. And Peter said, Matthew, Matthew, 
I don't know what they do over there, but that school is magic. (laughs) He said, that school, every time I walk into it, there's like a vibrancy and a light and an energy. And um, yeah, you should really explore getting Olivia into the school, but there's only one problem. And I said, Peter, what's that? He said, Matthew, it's April. I said, yeah, I know. He said, the only problem is you're going to need a miracle to get into that school. I said, what do you mean? He said, school starts in September. They're already full. I said, so I'm in need of a miracle to get in? He said, yes. I said, great. Peter, will you pray for me, please? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I don't know how much good it'll do you. So we got Olivia's name on the wait list. And uh, sure enough, two weeks before school started, we got a phone call that a spot had been made available. I called it a miracle because that's what Peter said I needed. And I called him and I said, Peter, we got a spot. It's a miracle. Your prayers worked. He said, I don't know if they always work that way, but enjoy temple. Friends, I had been to divinity uh, school. I'd been to seminary three years full time, not a summer off. I had been an ordained Presbyterian minister for quite some time, but it wasn't until the fall of 2015 that I ever learned anything about the Jewish festivals or the Jewish holidays. I mean, I knew several by name, but I had never experienced the gift of Jewish seasons. It was in that first fall that I came uh, to know the festivals, you know, Yom Kippur, Purim, Sukkot, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah. I got to know all of those holidays because they were holidays that the temple community naturally celebrated, but also Olivia celebrated by extension through Temple Emmanuel. And in coming to celebrate those festivals, I came to learn that at the core of all of these festivals, they were all about being uh, in right relationship with God. It was always a celebration about God's covenant relationship with God's people. Uh, Through the structure of these festivals, We, the people, were made in right relationship with God, which is to say, we are not God. God is God, and this is how we live out that covenant. Why does this matter? Because the very first line in our text today says that Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem for a festival of the Jews. We don't know which festival it is. I spent a lot of time this week trying to search and find, was it Shavuot? Was it Sukkot? Was it Passover? Which one was it? Because it would tell us something about the text. There's a lot of debate in uh, the community over which festival this is because uh, some biblical scholars have gone back and if if you study the first four chapters of the Gospel of John, uh, festivals are mentioned so often that some biblical scholars believe that the first four chapters of Gospel Uh, John's gospel actually make up a three-year period. So we don't know what festival Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem for. In fact, it doesn't matter if we understand that every festival is an orientation to who God is and for the community to celebrate God's covenant. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the festival and he passes through Bethesda. The literal translation of that is, he passes through a part of Jerusalem that is known as the House of Mercy or 
the house of grace. Now, this area of Jerusalem is up by what the text called the sheep's gate. We now know it as the lion's gate because uh, two lions have been carved right there on the wall. It's in a section of Jerusalem that uh, we now know as the Muslim quarter. Jesus is in that area of Jerusalem when he walks by and there's a pool right there and he sees a man who is infirmed. We need to stop and uh, examine the pool for a second. This pool was dug into the ground and it's not uh, naturally fed. It's not, uh, it, it, there's not a spring there. There's not a river or a stream uh, where people pump water in. No, we learn in the text that there are five porticos. So there are five uh, roofs and from those roofs, uh, there are gutters that pour into a central location so that when it rains, these five all provide water that is funneled down into this pool, which means the water level is always going up and going down. It's not standard. It meant that there are a lot of steps to get down to when water was really sparse. This is important. In that part of Jerusalem, outside of what we now know is the Lion's Gate, what they knew as the Sheep's Gate, uh, there was another worship site. That worship site was uh, to a Greek god, and that Greek god his name was Asclepius. The Greek god Asclepius, for all of our physicians in the room, was the Greek god of medicine. And Asclepius had five daughters. And their names were, I wrote these down to make sure we got them. His first daughter's name was Hygieia. Okay, good, we're all on the same page. Meaning, the goddess of health and healthiness. His second daughter's name was Lyso, goddess of recovery. The third was Akeso, the daughter of the healing process. The fourth, daughter Agel. Sounds a little bit like Angel, but Agel was the goddess of light. Believing that um, when you're infirmed, you don't look healthy. Do you feel well? And when you feel well, you radiate, you look strong. And his fifth daughter, her name was Panacea. Meaning, the goddess of universal remedy. Okay, so there was a worship site to Aselius right next to this pool. This pool was a site of healing because each one of those porticos represented one of the daughters. So when the water came off of those porticos, all five of those healing process hit the roof and they were blended into the water that went into the pool. And so people were who, who were infirmed, people who were lame, they would uh, pile up next to that pool because when the water hit it, there was a belief that if you got into the water, the first two or three people after new water was dumped into that pool, that that pool, the pool of Aselius, would heal you. But the problem was uh, there was only so much healing to be had in the pool. 
There was only so much healing in the water. If you weren't one of the uh, two or three people who got into the water as soon as it hit the pool, then you were not to be healed. There was a man, he had been infirm for 38 years. He had been sitting next to this pool because he had been suffering and he just wanted to be made well. And all of the world told him, if you want to be made well, you got to go to the pool and you got to wait for the water to hit. And then you got to get in that water uh, before anyone jumps over you so that you can be healed. The man had been sitting by that pool for 38 years. And he had not touched its healing waters, not one time. Because for 38 years... When people saw him, they did not see him as someone in need of healing. They saw him as someone who was standing in the way of their own healing. And so what they did was they jumped over him and they made him the back of the line for 38 years. Can you imagine what it must feel like to journey for almost 40 years carrying something that can't even move from, something that you just want so badly to be healed from, some infirmity, some lameness that you would do anything to be healed. So Jesus is walking by. It's in one of those festivals. He's walking by this pool. He sees the man and he asked him a question. I, I hope you remember it. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? Important question. Very important question. It's important because uh, Jesus doesn't ask him, um, so why are you here? Are you, uh, are you lame? Are you hurt? No, Jesus says, uh, do you want to be made well? And did you notice that the man actually never answered him? He just said, I've been coming here for so long and these people keep stepping over me. He doesn't actually say, yes, that's what I want. He's not sarcastic. He's not like, yeah, um, I don't know. Why do you think I've been hanging out here for 38 years? No, he says, these people have been stepping over me. And Jesus says to him, pick up your mat and go, for you're healed. Pick up your mat and go, for you are healed. And in so doing, Jesus has taken this site that uh, the ancient Near East has said, you have to go outside of yourself. You need to play by this really strict set of rules and you got to jump in this water and that is where you are finding healing. Jesus has gone to Bethesda, the pool of mercy and grace and revealed that there is not a pool of mercy or grace that you are in need of outside of yourself. But Jesus says, I am the Christ and I am the pool of mercy and I am the pool of grace. But do you want to be made well? Friends, we have to pay attention to that question because the reality is, and I've learned this, some, some of us just don't want to answer that question. 
We can talk about all the things that we want. We can talk about the ways that we are infirmed. We can talk about the things that we carry. We can talk about the things that are weighing us down. But when Jesus just straight out asks us, well, if you're going to carry all that, do you want to be made well? We'd actually rather not answer it. It's scary to answer a question that direct because we know on the other side of a yes means that your life is going to be absolutely changed and transformed. Do you want to be made well? One of the great uh, gifts of this life, this vocation, being a pastor, is that I get to visit with so many of you. And uh, recently, I was able to visit with a 92-year-old over at at their long-term care facility. And it was a lovely visit, and uh, over the course of the visit, uh, this person shared with me the story of how they had arrived at this beautiful facility. They said, you know, uh, we really struggled, my husband and I really struggled to make the decision of when we were going to sell the house and put it on the market, and we struggled to, to, to figure out what we were going to um, bring with us and what we were going to leave behind, but we just finally made the choice. I said, how did you make the choice? They said, well, one afternoon we had come over for one final visit and they showed us this beautiful apartment and it was more like a condo and, and, and it just felt like we could make a, a life here. I'll never forget the, the sun was coming in through the windows and it, it smelled brand new. And so we looked at one another and we said, we're going to end up here eventually. Why don't we go ahead and just make the move? So they did. And before they did, they came back to, to you know, figure out where they were going to put all their stuff one final time. And they said, this looks great. The moving truck is coming. But can you answer a quick question? What is that concrete pad just right out there? And the person showing them around said, oh, that concrete pad is to ensure that we never run out of anything we ever need here at this facility. And they said, what do you mean? They said, oh, that concrete pad is where all of our deliveries are going to be. And the person said, oh, like the mail? They said, yeah, like the mail. You know, the mail will come in there. They said, okay. Two weeks later, they moved in. They were getting, uh, you know, they got everything settled. And at five o'clock in the morning, they heard, which was then followed by a breaks, which then was filed by bang, 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 scared them half to death. They ran to the window and sure enough, it was the garbage delivery. The truck had come to uh, deliver the garbage away from the facility, scared them half to death. 30 minutes later, they went back to bed. They thought maybe we can get some sleep. Bang, 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 bang. And they looked out the window. It was the food 18-wheeler truck. And they were, uh, they were delivering all the food for all the meals that day. And by this point, this person was furious. They were angry. They said, it felt like we had been lied to. It felt like we had been deceived. And so I waited until 8 o'clock that morning, and I picked up the telephone, and I called down to the person who ran this place, and I said, you tricked us. 
We have paid all of this money for this place and we can't even sleep in past 5.30 in the morning because this delivery pad that you told us was about the mail. They said, well, it's there so we'll never run out of things. This person said, that doesn't help one bit. It went on like this for a year. And this person I was visiting said, I don't know what happened, but at some point a year in, I heard that beep, beep, beep. I shot out of bed and I was so angry. I don't know what happened, but I stopped myself right here in the middle of this living room. And I could see myself. And I could see how bitter and how angry and how resentful I had become. Not just about that pad, but frankly, about everything in my life. And they said, and I hated who I saw. Because I wasn't resentful. I wasn't angry. That's not who I was, but that's who I had become. And I treated everybody that way. This church member said, and so I stood right here in the middle of this floor, and I, I know we're Presbyterians, and I don't know if this is going to sound weird, Pastor, but I just said, take it. Just will you take it from me? I, I just, I can't hold 92 years old. I can't hold on to it anymore. And they said, does that sound, does that sound weird to you? I said, no, it sounds like you were maybe saying, Jesus, I just want to be made. And she said, well, I just wanted to be made well. I said, no, that doesn't sound crazy to me one bit. She said, I don't know what happened in that moment, but as soon as I said it, I felt it. I felt it. I, it was like uh, this thing had been taken off of me. I had a lightness, and, and, and I, could, I could finally see again. I know that sounds weird. She said, I could finally let go of all that resentment and pain and anger. And I said, and what happened after that? She said, nothing. I said, what do you mean? She said, nothing. I lived, uh, we lived in that apartment for two more years. 5.30 every morning, that beat came, never stopped. And I just got to a place where I thought, huh, it comes with where we live. I said, that's the best part of the whole story. They said, what do you mean? I said, what would have really irritated me, <laughs> what would have sounded a little crazy to me in this story is if you would have said, and as soon as, as, soon as I said it, take it from me, that the person downstairs would have called and said, guess what? New apartment showed up. You get to move in next week. You don't have to live that way anymore. 
That would have sounded crazy to me. Because it would have sounded as if God said, in order for you to be well, you're right, you need to get it your way. You need to have a life and a world design just like you want it. What I love about your story is you were made well and nothing about your exterior circumstances changed one bit. You were healed in places that no one could have ever seen. And you were restored back to who you truly were in Jesus. Friends, I don't know what you're carrying this morning. I don't know if you've been carrying it for 38 years. I don't know if you've been carrying it for 38 weeks or for 38 minutes, but this is what I do know. I've never met a person who's not carrying something. Everybody's carrying something. And the question that Jesus has for us is, for you and for me, do you want to be made well? And what I know is this, there is, you don't have to go in search of something outside of yourself. You don't need to go to the pool of mercy or grace. You don't need to travel to Jerusalem and wait for some water to end up in a pool and jump in it and be the second person in line to be made well. Jesus is God incarnate, Emmanuel with us, and Jesus is the great physician, and Jesus is asking you, do you want to be made well? Are you going to answer? Are you going to answer? Turns out, uh, from the man in the story, it really doesn't matter if you answer is if what matters most is if you just give voice to what it is that you're carrying to Jesus. For he's with you, even now, wanting you to be made whole. So, do you want to be made well, my friends? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the gift of this new day and for the gift of your grace and for the gift of your presence that is healing. May we come to know that healing and new life for is the source of our very being. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.